All right, if you have your copy of God's Word, I want to encourage you to make your way to the 21st chapter of the Gospel of Matthew as we make our way through uh, this book, and um, we'll be coming to verses 18 to 32 this morning. As you make your way there, um, man, my grandparents had a garden growing up. I don't know, how many of you, like your grandparents or parents, somebody close to you had a garden, and, and you got opportunity just to be involved in that? I remember as a kid some, or seeing maybe seeing neighbors, other people that had one. Yeah, so I remember, right, my grandparents had a garden. I got an opportunity to go down and, and just hang with them. I, I grew up, like, literally, we just had, had a little pathway. You ran through a little gated fence and, and ran down that path to my grandparents' house. And, man, I'm excited to see them again. We sang about that this morning, right? Man, what hope that is that we have in Christ. This world is not all there is. Amen? But those that we love who have gone on, who are in Christ, and for those of us who are in Christ, we'll see them again. Man, I'll be excited to run down that, that path. <clears throat> Sometimes you don't plan, right, when you write your, your script, man. Uh, you'll forget you miss your grandparents. Um, I know many of you, you miss parents. There's children. Um, grace to you. Peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, We'll be in the garden with my grandparents, right? And just trying to figure out, like, things, what was ripe and ready, right? And I remember walking through, it'd be time to pick some things. And, and so, man, I started to learn, like, sometimes, like, they, they would they would feel something, right? Sometimes they would pick up, like, maybe a watermelon or cantaloupe and, like, give that baby a little tap and how it sounded, right? And, and some things you would take and, like, you would smell before you pull them off the vine. And and sometimes, for me, it was just baptism by fire, right? I would walk down the, down that row and there would be something there. And I'd be like, man, that strawberry or whatever looks really good. And, and my, my granny my papa might say something like well Blake it's not ready but you can try it and I'd be like man it's got to be ready right look how good it looks and I would pull that bad boy off and I would wait for this flavor explosion to happen in my mouth and nothing came and I was like it's not ready and they're like that's what I told you right and it would come on and and what I learned was is that man there's frauds even in the garden like I mean there are things like that have grown and they've got leaves and they're even sometimes even look like they're producing fruit but like man it's just not legit it's not ready. And I guess maybe what I would say as we come to the 21st chapter here in Matthew is that sometimes people can be the very same way. Like they appear outwardly one way, right? I mean you see what you think is legit but the truth is, even today, as we'll see in our text, even the very most religious people can actually be in rebellion against the grace of God. Now, the truth is, right, I mean, the, you can't, like, go and, like, tap on that person next to you to see, like, how they sound. You sound religious, right? And it'd be really creepy if you smelled them, right? That would be really creepy. Don't do that. Um, and, but nonetheless, right? We all in this place need to be rescued from the falsehood that lurks within that somehow we can be good enough, that we can be religious enough that God will accept us. And I think this hope of rescue comes from this place that only the grace of Jesus, only the grace of Christ can free us from false religion. Guys, the only place to be rescued from false religion is is the grace of Jesus Christ. It's the hope of the gospel. Now listen, we may amen that and sing it joyously, but it's amazing how hard it can be to repent and receive grace, to acknowledge that we have a need that we can't fix on our own. If you've been with us, Matthew has spent the first 20 chapters walking through a period of about three specific years, but even back to the birth of Jesus, right? And so you look at about three years' time, even 30 years of time, right, as you look back to his birth in the first 20 chapters, the last eight slow down, and we have a period of about one week 
Last week we walked through Sunday as Jesus entered into Jerusalem riding on that donkey, remember, and the shouts of Hosanna. And we saw Jesus go in there. We saw him cleanse the temple. We saw him healing the lame and causing the blind to see. We heard him interact with the religious leaders saying, do you hear what they're saying about you? He said, yes. And have you never written, never heard that it was written? That out of the mouths of infants and nursing babes, you have ordained praise. He's saying, I am God. Jesus left Sunday, headed out of Jerusalem, back to Bethany. Now this is Monday morning, right? So Monday morning, if you're tracking with us, Friday, Jesus will be put upon the cross. So you're in that final week of Jesus' life. That's where you're headed. This is Monday of that week. Jesus is walking from Bethany, coming back into Jerusalem. And he begins to encounter this epic scene of this fig tree. You see it there on the screen, right? And and what we're going to see today, I hope and pray you leave knowing that there's freedom from false religion. But I need to tell you a couple things about it. Some of you, right, maybe you like alliteration, right? I, I, listen, Adrian Rogers was just so formative for me. I thank God for the radio and 91.7 hearing Adrian Rogers. And, man, I, I just, when I think through text so often, I think about alliteration. So some of you, you're Adrian fans or just others who use alliteration, you're going to love it. Others of you are going to be like, I thank God he doesn't do it like that every week, right? So hopefully, no matter who it is, you're all going to be happy is my point, right? But again, we're going to get a little alliteration this morning. And so the first one comes at this. It's the fraud of false religion. False religion is actually a fraud. Listen to what happens here with Jesus. In the morning, verse 18, as Jesus was returning to the city, he became hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but only leaves. And listen to this statement. This sounds harsh, right? We might say, we said it maybe years ago, we said this passage, what's up with the horticultural hate? Like, what is up with that? Listen to what he says. May no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. We have to understand what's happening here, right? So a lot of things are taking place. I'm going to try to just maybe unpack just a little bit of it. Mark chapter 11 tells the same exact story, right? So you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, right? Matthew, Mark, and Luke are all similar telling stories. John appears to be like, what is John doing, right? He's talking about some different aspects of Jesus' life, but all of them are talking about Jesus' life, all right? In Mark chapter 11, Mark tells us in this same scene that in verse 13, he says, it was actually not the season for figs. So what's happening? Well, guess what? When the leaves started to come out, even though it wasn't the seed for figs, what you would see soon after the leaves developed was the figs were soon to follow. So the assumption was that, that, guess what? Even though the rest of the fig trees around here may appear barren, they're not coming out yet, this one's showing leaves like it, it's, it's real. It's, it's got some fruit, surely. And what Jesus does is he walks to it and he says, this tree right here is guilty of false advertising. It's saying that it's one thing outwardly, But when you get close and look inwardly, there's actually no life there. It's dead. It's interesting, right, that Matthew says to us, look what it says here at the end of verse uh, 19. And the fig tree withered at once. Right? For those of you who maybe read through some of these stories, you're going to like, well, hey, man, best I remember is, is that Mark says that on Monday, Jesus curses the fig tree. And Tuesday morning, when they're coming back into, into Jerusalem, they're like, hey, look, that tree you cursed yesterday has withered up. So like Matthew, is he like lying and Mark telling the truth or what's happening? What Matthew has a tendency to do is he takes stories that are maybe a little bit bigger and condenses them down to say, hey, listen, here's what happened, right? Jesus cursed the fig tree and it withered, right? Mark gives us the detail. It happened on Monday, the cursing. It actually withered on Tuesday. 
I don't know about you, but have you ever known some people you wish were a little bit more like Matthew, like get to the point already? Hopefully you're not thinking about me. But anyway, right? Nonetheless, right? So again, Matthew just condenses the story. So if you see that and you think there's a conflict there, it's not like, hey, they're messed up. Matthew's just condensing the story. Matthew has a tendency to do that. That's just the way in which he writes, um, which is interesting. I'll just throw this out there. I don't know if you've been watching The Chosen, but if you're not, I want to encourage you to check it out. It, 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 it's, it's a drama that, that walks with Jesus' life. Is everything perfect in it? Maybe not, right? I, we'll acknowledge that. It doesn't maybe always get everything exactly right, maybe like you would like for it to. But if not, I want to encourage you to check it out. The Chosen, all right, it's an app. You walk through Jesus' life, some seasons here. Um, it just came to my mind. I, I will give a disclaimer. The season one, episode one, looks a little bit at the life of Mary Magdalene, okay? And obviously, if you know that she came out of a promiscuous life, um, there's some demon possession. So that, that's the one episode that we haven't let our kids in on yet. Uh, so I just want to be disclaimer there. But I want to encourage you to check it out. It's really powerful, The Chosen. So again, anyway, that just came to me when I thought through about how the different gospel writers are, are looking and, and Matthew specifically, how he's pictured it in The Chosen. So anyway, back to the text. Right? So what's happening here? Like, why is Jesus so upset? This fig tree being cursed, right? We need to ask that question. I think it's an important question to ask. There's some ways in which, right, the fig tree may represent Israel, right? And and so I I understand part of that view of saying, listen, this is Jesus saying to the Jewish people, hey, listen, I've come to you. You should have bore fruit, and you haven't. I'm cursing you, and I'm done with you. However, I think at some points that begins to break down. Why? Because the 12 guys that are following Jesus are all Jewish. And if you show up in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, guess what you have? 3,000 Jewish people being saved. So I think it's clear that God's not saying, hey, I'm just done with the Jewish people. But we do see that, guess what? There's a long way of of the New Testament starting to dialogue that the door is open to the Gentiles. Okay, And so we're maybe seeing a little bit of that. But I think more than anything, Jesus is pronouncing judgment on people who are outwardly religious. But inwardly, there's no transformed heart. I think it's the reality of many people who are say they're followers of Christ. They're professors, but they're not true possessors. This is a harsh moment, we might think, but Jesus is actually doing the very best thing, right? This will be a doctor doing the very best thing. It will be hard for you to hear that news that this is cancer or this is whatever. But actually, that's the most loving thing they can tell you because it helps at least maybe get a course of action. Jesus is is, is pronouncing this curse, but hopefully it opens eyes and ears to say, man, we're in big trouble because we think outwardly we look really religious and good, but inwardly we're corrupt. Right? I mean, I, I don't know. Can I be really straight? I think the tendency is to hear this text and we think about other people. Might we this morning, by God's grace, just realize this text might be speaking to us? That we might be those, those trees? Those, that we've got the outward leaves of prayer and Bible reading, church attendance. But man, if you got close, right? Like, I mean, people sometimes say things to me like, man, I, I, I just want to be more like, I'm like, dude, if you want to know who I truly am, ask my wife and my children. They'll tell you. Like, we can all keep it, like, out here, the leaves on Sunday morning. But, man, you invite people in, and they start to realize, like, man, that fruit's maybe not what I thought or expected, right? I mean, like, we all have kinks in the armor, holes in the armor, so to speak. And Jesus is saying, look, he's looking at this tree, saying, you should. You're saying that you are a fruit producer. You've got all these leaves. But when I get close, there's no fruit. 
I think amazingly that there's actually one of those frauds amongst the 12 that are following Jesus. Right? There's one that's going to betray him. What's his name, church? Judas. I mean, isn't it Judas just has a bad few days and like all of a sudden makes some poor decisions and like and, and just hands Jesus over, like finds that time to betray him? John chapter 12 actually tells us, like John does a couple little snippets of Judas along the way to let us know that this guy isn't just somebody that had a bad day. In John chapter 12, Jesus is anointed by this sinful woman and like the scene is pretty epic, right? And so this lady is doing this really expensive perfume on Jesus and Judas says, listen, that money right there, we could have sold that and gave it to the poor. And in John chapter 12, I think it's verse 6, John tells us this. He says, Judas didn't say that because he cared about the poor, but because he kept the money back and he was a thief and liked to take some of the money out. He gave us a moment when the mask was pulled back on Judas to see his heart, to say, listen, there's a lot of leaves. Now listen, I mean, think about Judas's life. I mean, can you think about these kind of credentials? you think about these kind of leaves? He's, he follows Jesus personally. He's one of the twelve. He's preaching the kingdom of heaven has come. He's casting out demons. And yet inwardly there is no fruit. We hear Jesus himself call him in John chapter 6. Yet one of you is a devil. Guys, I, I think the reality is if we watch Judas from a distance, we would have no idea that there's not legit fruit. I think the danger of your and my hypocrisy is this. We don't realize that our fruit isn't legit. We need the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to show us, to open our eyes. Why? Because we often tend to think, I'm a lot better than those people. Look at all that I do. Look how good of a person I am. Surely God would accept me. I think we need to remind ourselves this today. God doesn't judge on the number of leaves, but on the fruit of a transformed heart. God doesn't judge on the number of outward leaves that we have, our religiosity. He judges and looks at our hearts. I think it's just an unbelievable moment. But what's interesting is, is the disciples don't seem that all concerned about the, the curse and what that might mean. They are amazed by that miracle itself. Look what happens. Verse 20 says, When the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How this fig tree wither at once? And Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Jesus points them in this moment to faith in God, trusting that only in God can we bear true fruit. Guys, our prayers aren't effective because we have perfect enough faith. Our, our prayers are effective because the one our faith is in is perfect. Isn't that encouraging? You ever had moments when you're just struggling to pray? You just, man, but when we look to Jesus, I realize, you know what, God, I'm weak. I'm struggling. This seems impossible. I got my doubts, Lord, but I'm looking to you. I'm trusting in you. I, I hear that man in Mark 9 saying to me, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. You ever been there in prayer? Just hard moments. Guys, I think we've got to know and look that Jesus reminds us that all fruit is ultimately a result of faith that is abiding moment by moment in Jesus. We hear him say to us in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much what? Fruit. But apart from me, 
You can do nothing. You'll be barren. You'll have leaves but no fruit. I think the cursing of the fig tree here provides both a warning and an encouragement. First, the warning. I think it reminds all of us that we are in danger of God's judgment and being eternally cursed when we are only concerned about the outward, the shaking of our leaves, so to speak. That we are relying upon any good work of ourselves. Listen, if you're relying upon giving or coming here or going on missions or doing anything like that, if you think that's what's going to make God accept you, guys, I want you to know that will never work. God only accepts perfect people and none of us are. Guys, we are, we're going to be eternally cursed if we're relying upon any good work of ourselves. It is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. There's no other hope. What a warning to us. Be warned about the danger of appearing outwardly religious but inwardly corrupt. God sees and knows the heart. And guys, there is a moment when God will come close and look. He knows now, but there's a moment when you and I will come close. And there'll be no hiding on that day. But I think not only is there a warning, I think this cursing of the fig tree has to also be an encouragement. I mean, the disciples are present after all. Doesn't it remind us that we, like the disciples, don't perfectly bear fruit? Like, we don't always witness when we have the opportunity. Like, man, I missed that. Like, I had one this week. I walked away, right? I, I walked into this place. It was early in the morning. And, man, I was just, I was just excited. I just felt the Lord that morning. And I'll never forget, people were like, man, you sure are chipper this morning. And I was just like, yeah, man, I'm just excited for today. And I walked out, got in my vehicle, and thought, what was I doing? I could have said, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Do you know Christ? I've been set free. I have no fear in death. Hope in life. Man, God, do you ever just miss those moments? Like, come on, Blake, bro, you missed it, homie. Man. Guys, do you have moments when our faith, maybe like the disciples, isn't always perfect? In fact, if we're being honest, sometimes we look at them and their fruit appears meager at best. I think this should give us hope. Why? Because our failure to bear fruit doesn't stop God from pursuing us. Did you hear that? Our failure to bear fruit doesn't stop God from pursuing us. It actually draws His heart toward us. What a merciful and good God we have. Guys, let Jesus' grace and mercy draw near that you and I might remove our spiritual masks that are hiding, we're hiding behind. I think about our boys in masks. Uh, they like to be different superheroes, but it seemed like one stood out above the best, kind of stood the test of time over the last 10 plus years, Hulk smash. Right, and they love to get Hulk, and they're like Hulk angry, right? And and come in there, and like they come running, like Daddy, here comes Hulk, right? And they trying to start Hulk smashing on me. Guess what? Here's here's the truth. That behind that mask, it's still a six year old boy. I think some of us just need to be honest today. Behind the Hulk smash mask, behind the Wonder Woman mask, there's sinners that are in desperate need of grace and forgiveness. Guys. Let's come clean. Why? Because our God loves to accept great sinners. You're going to see it as we come to it today. What a hope that we might come clean. So again, I think that there's a fraud of false religion. I think secondly, I would say to us, there's, there's a failure of false religion. It's just a failure. Look, look what happens here as Jesus walks in. 
And when he entered the temple, remember what he's just done yesterday, right? Can you imagine the height of it? He's cleaned out the temple, throwing stuff. Pigeons are flying. People are scrambling. People are trying to grab all their money off the thing, right? Little lambs and other stuff are running. Everybody's like, what's going on in here? He's healing people. People are saying he's Hosanna. Dude, they're like the old saying, like they're loaded for bear. They're waiting for this brother to walk back in this day. And so look what happens, verse 23. And when he enters the temple on Monday morning, the chief priests and the elders of the people came up to him as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things and who gave you this authority? That's an important question. And if we understood their culture, it would make perfect sense, right? So you have to understand a little bit about their culture, right? For, for, for them in, the, in that culture to become a rabbi, to become a teacher means you had to go through extensive training, right? You have to memorize much of the Old Testament Right. I mean, you, you have to go through all these different tests. And then if you're affirmed as a rabbi, as a teacher, you start really slowly building your disciples really slowly. And then for the most elite of the elite of the elite, they have the opportunity to come in the temple and teach. So if, I mentioned the chosen app earlier, but if you've watched Nicodemus in in chosen they're kind of pulling out some of that like he's he's trying to maybe work his way how do you get to the top of being a pharisee right how do you get up there to be in this epic group he's kind of wrestling through some of that well that's what they're asking like how, where did you get the authority like who, who gave you the right to come in here and cleanse the temple who gave you the right to do some of these things like you don't have the pedigree brother like your resume doesn't hold up i mean let's think about it like where was jesus born right jesus of what Nazareth. Why we hear Nathaniel say to us, can anything good come from what? I mean, like, brother, you're from nowhere, man. I mean, you might hear in our vernacular, you're, you're a hick from the sticks. Like, I mean, who, who do you think you are? And then, like, I mean, like, to be a, like, what school did you go to, brother? Who, who trained you? I mean, you might hear them say, like, dude, your daddy, Joseph, like, he, you're a carpenter's son. You're not a teacher. And then, like, if they might go even rewind the story back just a little bit further, they might be like, hey, bro, listen, man, we know there's some shady stuff about your birth. Like, there's some questions of, like, was your mama even faithful? Can you imagine? Like, I mean, again, credentials were everything in this society. To be able to get there in the temple of all places, the most epic place, to be able to teach and do the things he's doing. So this is a really fair question. I mean, I mean, just for a moment, just consider like you walk in today for open heart surgery or brain surgery, something epic, right? I mean, it's huge. And you're having this consultation with the doctor trying to figure out like, is this the person that I want to do? And you just happen to glance over on the wall and it says that their degree was certified. And it says these words by watching YouTube videos. And you're like, hold, hold up. Where did you go to school again? Where did you practice? Where's your residence? Like, I mean, can you imagine starting asking those questions? That's Jesus. Like, dude, dude, we're looking at your pedigree that's on the wall. It doesn't seem to add up. It doesn't look like our pedigree. After all, like, they're saying, dude, you, you don't have the leaves that we have, bro. You got to have certain leaves to get in here. You, you don't have the leaves that we think you should have, right? This is Jesus. Again, no, no rabbi, no school to back him. They're asking, where does your authority come from? And so Jesus responds back in a question, right? And that's kind of typical of that day. It was kind of a way of teaching. But there's some sense in which Jesus like, starts to give some kind of riddle here, right? And, and Jesus, just like the scriptures, they often use riddles to cause all of us just to slow down and say, listen, I need to let God examine my heart here. 
Riddle's question should cause us to kind of ponder just for a moment to think, what's Jesus doing here? What's he mean by this? So look what he asks them, verse 24. Jesus answers them. I'll also ask you one question. And if you tell me the answer, then I also will tell you by what authority I do these things. So he says, listen, answer my question, then I'll answer yours, okay? The baptism of John, verse 25, Matthew 21. From where did it come? From heaven or from man? And they discussed it among themselves, saying, if we say from heaven, he'll say to us, then why did you not believe him? But if we say from man, we're afraid of the crowd, for they all hold that John was a prophet, right? He he puts them in this, this conundrum. Right, of like, man, listen, if we, if we say it's from man, remember, this is the Passover. This is like the big time of the year. All the crowds are present. This may go crazily bad if they say John's just a man because all the people believe he's a prophet, right? And if this goes bad and, and a riot breaks loose, Rome's coming in, people are going to die, they're going to crush the temple. Like there's lots of tension here in this moment. But if, if they acknowledge, right, that he's actually from heaven, then... Everybody knows that John's been preaching about Jesus. He's the one coming after me whose sandal I'm not worthy to even untie. They're caught in a moment, right? Because if you would acknowledge who John is and he preached about me, then why wouldn't you acknowledge my authority, right? They're, they're in that moment, right? It's this moment in which God's like standing seemingly at the door and knocking. Like, I mean, you hear that? Some of you may be hearing that today. God's standing seemingly at the door of your heart, knocking, question is will they open the door listen to what happens here verse 27 they answered we do not know we don't know right we listen we know what we think about you but we know if we answer one certain way right we got to keep our leaves in order he says we do not know and he said to them neither will i tell you by what authority i do these things and so there's no answer given right he doesn't tell them Right, And so I think it's a moment in which it's a reminder about what false religion can do. It's great for keeping people in check, like giving do's and don'ts, right? Like do read your Bible, do pray, do give, do go to church, but don't cuss, don't be immoral, don't watch this on TV. Yet the do's and the don'ts, I'll just be honest with you, without the power of Jesus to transform our hearts leaves us all trapped in fear. Listen, you need to hear this today because some of you are there. You feel like today, this morning, you are less worthy to worship God because of what you've done this week. You feel like somehow you're less worthy to be in this place. Like some of you feel like, man, I, I didn't feel maybe as good like of, of teaching my Sunday school class. I didn't feel like I was really as ready to sing because I haven't done all of this. And I'm wondering, does God really, is, is he really proud of me? Does he really want me this week? Maybe if next week I do better, then I'll come back in here. Then I'll be able to pray. Then I'll be able to sing. Then I'll be able to worship. Then I'll be able to give. Then I'll be able to serve. Guys, that is an exhausting way to live. False religion will always keep you trapped with do's and don'ts. The good news of the gospel is that God transforms your hearts, that gives you a desire to want to do that, and a desire not to want to do that other. It's the power of the gospel. But I'm not trying to do those things so I can be saved and God will accept me and I'll be good enough this week. I'm doing it because of what Christ has already done on my behalf. Grace, as Paul says, God's grace to me was not without effect. It was not in vain. God's grace had transformed Paul. Listen, guys, false religion will always fail because its authority is always outward. Simply put, false religion fails because it can't transform the heart. It can't. 
The only way to have your heart transformed is acknowledge Jesus' rule, His kingship, His death and of the cross in your place. There's no other way to be forgiven this morning. Only Christ can set you free. Guys, my point is trying Christianity without surrendering to Jesus' authority will make it no different than any other religion. It's just adding Jesus like Buddhists to another statue. Like, I mean, people, of course, the Buddhists are like, yeah, Jesus, Jesus is great, but they've got all these other gods they think is great too. Muslims think Jesus is a great person. But there's something different about us from Muslims and Buddhists and all the religions. We acknowledge that Jesus alone is king. He alone is Lord, and that means my mantle and your mantle, my heart and your heart have to have everything else cleansed off of it, and only Christ. It's the power of the gospel. But if you just add Jesus to whatever else is in your life, you're just going to become religious. It's going to be about more leaves. Guys, He can transform your heart. I think Jesus now, he, he tells this story, this parable. He tells a couple of them as he closes out this time here in Matthew 21. And I want to share just one of them today. And I think one of the things it does, it reminds us of the future of false religion, right? We've seen the fraud, the failure, and now we're going to see the future. And ultimately, through this story, we'll also hear about the freedom from false religion. But look, let me would just for a moment, the future of false religion. You, you need to know this truth of where religiosity and just trying to do all these outward things to be accepted by God will lead. You need to hear it from Jesus. What do you think? Verse 28, Matthew 21. Jesus is going to tell this, this parable, this story with a point, maybe even kind of like a, a little bit like a riddle, right? Look what he says. What do you think? A man has two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Right, so we have two sons, two answers. We'll see two different futures coming in a moment. But let's start with the second son just first, right? Again, to see about the future of false religion. Notice what the second son says, right? So he goes to this other son. He asks him the same thing, saying, Son, go work in my vineyard today. Listen to the response. I go, Sir. Like, that's the right response. Like, hey, I acknowledge who you are. I submit to you. He even calls him sir, right? That's the word, right, for master, for lord. It's an acknowledgement of, of your authority and rule over me. I, I'm submitting my life to you. This is outwardly everything you would want to hear. Like, man, that's, that's legit. That's a true professor. But look what happens here. That's what he says, but. He didn't what, church? He didn't go. I mean, we might hear Jesus saying to us, quoting the prophet Isaiah back to us, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are what? Far from me. We might hear James saying to us in James 1, verse 22, be doers of the word and not hearers only, so deceiving yourselves. This is deceptive because it's outwardly what everyone expects. It's the shaking of the leaves. I go, sir. Man, that's, that's it. It's legit. But notice what he says. He doesn't go. There's no action. There's no response. There's no following. There's no discipleship of submission to Christ and His rule and reign. It's the sadness of false religion with all of its Bible knowledge, all of its church attendance and serving. I mean, notice these guys, listen, they know the Old Testament like no other. These guys, Jesus says, pray these long, long prayers. They have all these things that they're so proud they don't do this and they don't do this and they do all of these Jesus says they honor me outwardly, but man, their hearts, their hearts are not in submission to me. And the question is, well, 
where do they end up? Look what happens here as the text goes on. Jesus asked the question, which of the two did the will of his father? They said, well, the first, right? I mean, the first said he wouldn't go, but later went. Jesus said to them, listen to this statement. This, this, is, this, is, this is powerful. This is hard to hear, but it's powerful. Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. Prostitutes before you? Four. What's Jesus after, right? We're going to come back to that statement in a moment. But four, he says. Here's my reasoning why. John came to you in the way of righteousness. John came telling you that you could never be good enough on your own. He, he, John was telling you, guys, listen, you can't, you can't, can't have enough leaves. You can't do enough outward things. You must believe on Christ. You, you must look to the one I'm pointing. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a voice in the wilderness crying out, make straight the way of the Lord. I'm showing you the way of righteousness. It's not me. It's not any of our good works. It's only by looking unto Christ, His death in our place. John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw, listen to the statement, you did not afterward change your mind and believe him. When Jesus says this statement right here, look, he, he, says, when, he says that they go into the kingdom of God before you is a way of saying that you won't enter at all he's not saying like you're last in line he's saying you won't enter the kingdom at all like and, and it's a reminder like you could pray a prayer a thousand times guys i mean these guys are perfect prayers if that's what it is but that won't save you if you're just saying what other people you think want to hear maybe it's just merely in a head knowledge or maybe it's just an emotional moment guys listen what will save us? Look, look what Jesus says. It's just throughout the New Testament, throughout the Bible. Look what he says. And even when you saw it, you saw these others. Look, look what are they doing? Well, notice they're, he says they're believing. They're believing. And look what he says here. And even when you saw, you saw the way of righteousness. You saw that you couldn't, you know you can't be good enough, guys. Just honor it. Just know it. Your, your leaves are never enough. Even when you saw it, saw the way of grace and forgiveness, not by works. By grace, you can be saved through faith, nothing of yourself. You saw this, you heard this. And even when you saw, he says, you did not afterward change your mind. That word for change your minds is the word we get for repentance. It's a change of mind. That's what repentance indicates, right? That your way is wrong, only God's way is right. You can't change yourself. You're looking only to Christ to change you and transform you. Look what he says. You didn't change your minds and believe. Repentance and faith. Jesus is preaching it here. Guys, sometimes, I don't know about you, false things are just easy to spot, right? Like, I don't know if you've ever been watching an infomercial, right, and they pop up and they're like, we want you to know today and today only for $19.99, you can get these solid gold earmuffs. And you're like, solid gold earmuffs? Of course I want those, right? Like, everybody knows that's what it would be. And I mean, you're like, come on, man, that's not true. But there's other times, other moments when we get stuff we buy in, right? Thinking like, I got that at a great deal. And maybe it's the real thing, right? But later you get it home or you buy it, you unbox it and realize like, man, that ain't the truth, right? Maybe some of you have been there, right, in moments when you thought like you could kind of go with the off-brand, so to speak, right? I, like some of you maybe even today, like you, you thought maybe that like Mountain Lightning was Mountain Dew. 
My granny ain't here, but I got to own up to her on the other side. Granny, I wasn't. I was like, oh, it's just like Mountain Dew. It's not Mountain Lightning. It's not Mountain Dew, right? To, to my college roommates who were cheap like I was, chipmates are not Chips Ahoy. We, I mean, we dunked those bad boys acting like, dude, these are the best ever, man. Could this be any better? I don't even notice. I don't even know. Do you notice? I don't notice, man. These are like, just like, man, we got these like for a dollar. I don't even notice. Guys, counterfeit salvation is like that. I mean, we're, we're, we're talking it up like it's real, it's legit. But the truth is, on the inside, there is no peace. On the inside, there's no freedom. There's no joy. Everything is a duty. Everything is about leave, so to speak. And it's exhausting. The problem with these people, listen, Jesus offers them. He says, even when you saw it, you didn't afterward change your minds. and It's still the door's open. Repent and believe. Stop going on with your religiosity. It won't save you. Only faith in Christ. Only God's grace. But these folks, man, they're refusing to repent. Maybe today you're here and you think, of course, drunkards, liars, thieves. Those people need to repent. But me? I've never done much wrong. I've, I've always been a good person, Blake. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3 that there's no one good. There's no one righteous. No, not even one. So so listen, imagine this this morning, that up on this stage, we put all the righteous people on one side and all the guilty people on the other. You know what that would look like? That would mean me, you, and all of humanity standing on this side of the guilty and Jesus alone standing on this side of the righteous. That's what that means. And the good news is you and I could never cross from there to here. But praise God, He came from there to bring us back to the Father. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Man, that guy. Praise God. Wow. He just told these religious folks, listen, you need to change your minds and repent. If if you and Jesus just sit down after church today and talk for a moment, like, what might he say this needs to change? Like, is there an area of your life you would just say, hey, listen, that just, we need to deal with that, man. Sister, I love you. Look, I can't see the scars. I love you. There's not a question of my love. I love you so much. I, I, I'm not, I'm going to leave you like that. What might he say to you just needs to change? What's stopping you right now as you hear this gospel being preached to you from changing your minds, from repenting and believing? Guys, hear this. Good religious people will be left on the outside of God's kingdom. The only way is the grace of Christ can free us from false religion. And that brings us, I think, to our last point. The freedom from false religion. What is the freedom from false religion? Let's close by looking at it here again. Back at the same story. Listen to it again. Back to the first son. So the man has two sons. We've, we've heard about the latter son and where his, his road is leading him because he's refusing to repent and believe. He goes to the first, and look what he says to the first. Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answers this statement. I will what? I will not. No, we probably don't catch that in our culture, but like for a culture where patriarchs are revered and respected, like there's like respect is major. To say to your dad, Dude, I'm not going to do it. It's equivalent to spitting in your dad's face or smacking him across the face. That's how, uh, this, is, this is intense. And he answers, I'll not. And like, so the, like, even if this son is still, there's great grace upon the father right now in this moment, even in his answer. 
He says, I, he says, I'll not do it. But afterward, listen to this statement. Listen, this, this is grace, right? I mean, because we're all that. We're all that, aren't we? We're all saying, I will not. But our God is long-suffering. Peter says that he is patient, long-suffering, wishing that you would not perish. That's your God. He's that long-suffering. He's that willing to let you and I go our own way, sow our wild oats or whatever it may be. And God in His grace and His mercy continues to offer His forgiveness. The danger is for some of you, you think that you can go and do that and then at some point you'll be able the opportunity to come back. No, no man is promised tomorrow. That's why the Scripture says today is the day of salvation. If you're here and you're hearing it and you're off in a distant land, hear the grace of Christ saying, come home. Do not refuse it this hour. He says, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind. There it is. He repented and he went. <sighs> what a moment. I, man, beautiful moment. And look, look what he, happens here. Jesus says, verse 31, after they answer, well, who did the will of the Father? The first, Jesus says to them, truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. It's like getting up here and saying, I want you to know that the murderers are going in the kingdom of heaven and you're not. Those who once were hooked on pornography are going in the kingdom of God and you're not. Why? What's different with them and me? They are repenting and looking to Christ and His sacrifice cleanses us from every sin and stain. Guys, that's, that's the greatest news you'll ever hear. You don't have to work for it, earn it, no matter where you've been or how dirty you are. This right here is a place to land and say, that is my Savior. A God who will accept tax collectors and prostitutes who change their mind, who repent and acknowledge that only Christ could save them, only God could free them. I think the reality of why maybe it's easier, let's be honest, for tax collectors and prostitutes, they don't have all the leaves. They stand with Isaiah who says, whoa, I'm undone, I'm naked, I'm, I'm exposed before God. There's no fruit. And yet this God who sees you and I knows us perfectly well is still willing to forgive us. Even in the midst of being barren, God sends his son to die for you and I. Wow. What hope. The hope, guys, what brings freedom from false religion? It's repentance and faith in Christ. It is, it's just it's the only hope. Jesus says the difference between heaven and hell is not how good you've been. It's not your past. It's not what you've done. What transforms our eternity is the grace of Jesus. Wow. It's the willingness of God to send His Son, Christ, to die in our place, to suffer the judgment of God on our behalf that you and I might go free. And declaring His victory by on the third day, raising His Son from the dead. This is why we sing the vilest of sinners who truly believes that moment from Jesus. A what, church? A pardon received. Forgiveness. This kind of talk, listen, about that it's not about how good you can be. It's only about the grace of Christ. It's, it's created tension amongst many for years. John Bunyan, the pastor who authored The Pilgrim's Progress, he continually preached grace. And there was concern about others around him that, listen, we need to be focusing upon obedience and, and, and doing it. He's saying, listen, Christ's obedience is yours. Christ's perfect life is yours. And they're like, they were concerned, listen, they, they, they were concerned that this might lead people to live however they want because if Jesus died for them after all, then, then why don't we just live whatever way we want? That's what they were concerned about. They feared this emphasis on Jesus' performance instead of our performance would cause people to sin, to live unguarded lives, to lose a sense of responsibility for personal holiness. 
And so they told Bunyan this. If you keep preaching free salvation in Jesus based upon his performance and not on theirs, Christians are going to do whatever they want. And Bunyan responds back to this. Listen, this is beautiful. If I keep preaching free salvation in Jesus Christ based upon his performance and not on theirs, Christians are going to do whatever he wants. Bunyan believed that the grace of God was the greatest thing that would transform a man or woman's heart. It's just transformation by the power of the gospel. How has this grace changed you? How is it changing you, church? I invite you. Maybe you just need to be honest today. That There's been a lot of yeses outwardly, but inwardly, if we got close, we would see that the way that you love your spouse, children, the way that you react, interact with your parents, the way that you treat fellow co-workers, like if you were just... Being all, there's a lot of yeses on the outside, but inwardly, man, there, there's, it's lip service to God because your heart isn't in it. Guys, I, I want to invite all of us to respond to the grace of God who allows tax collectors and prostitutes to enter his kingdom who are willing to repent and believe. That is not a salvation of works. It's about his work that's offered to you and I by grace. What hope? To the non-believer today, I compel you to repent and believe upon Christ that you might be forgiven, that you might escape the wrath and the judgment of God. To the believer here this morning, what hope there is that the Holy Spirit, maybe by God's grace this morning, is showing you that there's been way too much concern on the leaves and there's way too little fruit and you realize you can't do it on your own. Might you come as we're going to sing this song this morning as we close? Lord, now indeed I find... Thy power and thine alone can change this leper spot and melt this heart of stone. Jesus paid it all. Oh, to him I owe. Come on, church. Sin had left a crimson stain and he washed it white as snow. That, Jesus, I offer unto you today by grace through faith. Would you repent and believe? Would you pray with me? Father, in the strong name of Jesus, I pray hoping for rescue. Father, thank you. It's exhausting to worry about leaves. I pray now for my brothers and sisters to look unto Christ. I pray for those today who feel like their sin is too much. They would hear Jesus saying, I accept tax collectors and prostitutes, the low, the dirtiest of the dirty. No one is too dirty to come and be forgiven by me. I pray this morning that whosoever will may come to Jesus. Pray it in Jesus' name, amen. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.